You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Monday, another three podcasts this week as we continue to recap everything going on around the NBA, talking about the Pelicans, and we've also talked about the Hornets, as well as just cluing you into everything going on around the association. Today, we've got to talk about something going on with Anthony Davis that's probably going to make Pelicans fans happy, at least give them an opportunity to troll later. Lakers fans, which frankly, right now when we're all stuck inside, sounds pretty good to me. I'll let you know what that is. Then we're going to talk about the state of the league, what the time frame is starting to look like. You know, is there more clarity? Is there not? And all of that going on here. And then in the third segment, I'm going to play you a best of feature from one of the podcasts on our network called Rejecting the Screen. You've heard me mention it before. I'm going to tell you why you've got to be listening to this one. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So before we get into the stuff about Anthony Davis tonight, Monday night, 7 p.m. Central. So hopefully you're listening to this before that period of time. Sharif Aishak of WDSU Channel 6 Sports Anchor and good friend of mine. I officiated his wedding uh, and I are going to be hosting sports trivia on my Twitch channel, twitch.com slash NOLA underscore Jake. And we're going to try and do this once a week. I think I've got it figured out where we can make this work, but this is a test run. We're going to do 20 questions just to have a little bit of fun, test out the kinks in all of this to see if it is feasible. So come join us. Come kind of help us on a stress test here with everything. Have a little bit of fun. You'll also be able to ask your own questions that he and I can answer, whether it's the Saints in the draft, the Pelicans, what have you. We'll be able to talk all of that and more. Twitch.com slash Nola underscore Jake, 7 p.m. Central uh, here. So come join us with all of that. So Anthony Davis, what's going on there? We know he can be a free agent after this year. He's got a player option that he is certainly going to decline. We would assume that he is going to be uh, you know, re-upping with the Lakers on a big deal. But, and this is how some of this started here in New Orleans, he has put his $8 million mansion with a basketball court and a really cool swimming pool on the market. Is this rumblings, bad things happening, and is he maybe looking to move? You know, Tom Brady put his mansion in New England on the market before signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which is still really, really weird to say out loud. Um, So could the same be happening to Anthony Davis here? And I think he put his home on the market in New Orleans before all of this, you know, kind of started going poorly and he ended up trying to force his way out. You know, he changed agents, switching to Rich Paul before that too. These sometimes are kind of a sign of things to come. And so I've seen on Twitter some people trolling Lakers fans a little bit with all of this, making them a little bit nervous, given that, you know, we went through all of that here and the Laker fans weren't exactly the nicest people during some of these times. 
But I'm going to say it probably isn't a sign of anything to come other than he's going to get more money and probably buy a home that's bigger than $8 million. So he's probably just doing this in anticipation of upgrading. And it's likely going to be that he's going to be making, you know, 35 plus million, $40 million a season when everything comes back to normal and he's able to sign that new contract whenever that is and under whatever the salary cap is going to be. He's going to be making a lot more. He probably also doesn't want to drive the 101 freeway up to downtown LA every single day or to the team's practice facility. So maybe he's just going to move somewhere more convenient. Unfortunately, I don't think it's a sign that he's going to leave the Lakers and that the Lakers then rented him for one season while giving up an all-star in Brandon Ingram, potential future all-star in Lonzo Baller, at least starting point guard, along with a ton, five first round picks uh, and Josh Hart as well. Um, so they're likely to still keep Anthony Davis. You know, they do have the best record in the Western Conference, too. So they've been good so far this year. But if you want, have some fun with Laker fans on there. Um, I do. I will say I do like Anthony Irwin, host of Lockdown Lakers here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Really good dude. So if you want to give him a little bit of shit, I think that's OK. Um, but overall, have some fun with it. We're stuck inside. There's no reason not to. And with how those fans and. Uh, they act on Twitter can be pretty annoying. So I get it. So you have my full blessing for this sort of thing. And if you know me and you've heard me talk on here, this isn't the attitude that I usually take, which definitely tells you where I'm at in the quarantine situation here. So have some fun with it. But yeah, I don't think Anthony Davis is leaving the Lakers whatsoever. But you know, you never know. Stranger things have happened. Again, Tom Brady is not on the New England Patriots anymore. And I don't think we were ever really expecting that that would be the case. So Maybe, but we'll see. He's likely going to be back there and just trying to upgrade, which again, if you're him, these are good problems, I guess, if you're Anthony Davis to have. So we'll get into what's going on around the league in just a minute, but today's show is brought to you by Postmates. Whether it's an early morning breakfast burrito, if you want 12 beers at night when you're watching the Jordan documentary, sometimes you just need what you need delivered fast, and that's where Postmates comes in. Obviously, in a time of social distancing, when you're not really supposed to be out, having Postmates deliver food to you makes life about a million times easier. And if you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. I love food, and that's why I love using Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant I can think of right to my door, and when you're stuck inside and unable to go out, it's a really nice thing. But Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make my life easier with grocery delivery and whatever I can think of delivery, too. Convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. So no more trips to the store, no more late-night fast food runs. I don't even have to worry about where to grab lunch anymore. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android and find your favorite uh, restaurants or anything you want and get it delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. That's code LOCKEDONNBA for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. So later in the week, we're going to get into the top five moments of the season. Again, we're doing some benchmarking programming here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. We covered the top teams in franchise history last week. I gave you my top five list, and then we're going to jump into best moments of the season. We're probably going to do that in one show, which I think will be really fun. And we've covered some top moments. I asked this, you know, six weeks ago, which seems like forever, about what your favorite moments were. But I will give you my official top five list. 
and maybe the list of a guest as well. So that is to come later in the week. Um, but right now, I want to just quickly touch on, and we'll probably do this on Mondays, just kind of where the league stands on getting basketball back. I don't want to keep doing show after show after show on this, so maybe an update once a week is a good thing. Uh, and so right now, there's no real new update, which we already know, but now it's looking like the NBA doesn't really have much of an idea of what they want to do and doesn't look like they have an idea of what they can do. We've heard the Vegas bubble idea. Um, Keith Smith, I think, said, uh, who's of Yahoo, mentioned Walt Disney World in, in Orlando as a way to do it. And that actually makes a ton of sense to me, but still very difficult for all of that things. Just kind of putting everything more or less in a physical bubble or a hypothetical bubble is not an easy thing to accomplish. So overall, I don't know how feasible some of that stuff is is. And so what does the league then do? And Adam Silver's come out recently and said, you know, we don't have a timeline. We're going to do what's right. Health and safety is our top priority. And if that means we have to delay the start of next season, then that means we have to delay the start of next season. And if they delay the start of next season, that's when you're looking at this taking longer than we would ideally be hoping for. We understand some delay, right? It makes a ton of sense. But obviously, no one really wants that a ton because, yeah, that's, you know, what we want sports back sooner rather than later. So if things do get delayed, it means that this season's likely going to get delayed too and start to bleed into next year. And that's very much a concern uh, if you want to see basketball come back sooner rather than later. So it doesn't look like that is in the cards anytime soon right now. Again, makes tons of sense, but it's intriguing that they're looking at putting everything out there on the table. And I don't think the NBA necessarily wants to kind of be a guinea pig for what works and what doesn't, but it, it turns out they really might have to be. And I know they're working with a lot of local science companies is maybe the general term I want to use, medical companies. There we go. I'm getting testing, antibody testing, all of that stuff uh, to figure out what's feasible and what isn't. And they're going to be at the forefront of this, but they want to be at the forefront of all of this with a plan and a plan that is medically and safely sound as opposed to just doing something and hoping that it's going to work. So I don't know then if that means we're going to get anything anytime soon as they have to be dead certain on how all of this may work. So that's to say that your update is there's no update. But again, as days go on, I get a little bit more concerned about this all coming back um, and the feasibility of a situation like that. And certainly it's going to be very, very tough. But they want to. There's too much money at stake to not do it. Jared Dudley said, no, we shouldn't hear anything sooner than June 1st. Um, David Silver, Adam Silver said, we wouldn't hear anything sooner than May 1st. And even then, I think that is a little bit optimistic, given that's what, 10, 11 days from now, which, yeah, I don't know if that's going to be feasible. We'll see, though. We all want basketball back. The games that the Pelicans are replaying are great, but really don't satisfy that same thing, the Jordan documentary, which I need to catch up on, you know, doesn't satisfy the same itch for the live sports. And I think if anything, the Jordan documentary shows you that the power, the power of sports and what they kind of hold in our society with that was a almost cultural moment last night. So it's very cool to see. So we will see how all of this goes and hopefully we can get an update soon. But until certain things get figured out, it's going to be kind of tough. So don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from here Monday, Wednesday, Friday for you all talking about everything you want 
um, around this team, having interviews on here, more interviews to come, playing some of the greatest hits now from other podcasts around the league, which has been pretty cool to see too. Um, so subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Don't forget the NFL draft is this week. So subscribe to Locked On Saints as well. Ross Jackson doing a great job of breaking down everything you want to know leading up to the NFL draft. And given that I don't follow the NFL nearly like I used to, that dude is a damn godsend during a time like this. So thank you, Ross. And it just means you should all subscribe to Locked On Saints wherever you get your podcasts from. So something I've been listening a ton to during this time, and it's nice just to kind of have something in the background when you're working, when you're working out, when it is you're just kind of killing time at home with whatever it is. And rejecting the screen has kind of become a, a big part of my go-to with this all. This is really cool and a very unique part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And they're awesome. It's hosted by Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko. And they've been putting out a ton of really great interviews, whether it's former players, former coaches, giving you just peeks behind the scenes in the NBA. They recently have tweeted out, and I retweeted it and went on a retweeting storm, of stories about Michael Jordan from guys who played against him, guys who coached him, um, his teammates, all of that. It's really, really cool. And you're not getting interviews like this in very many places. And it's worth checking out Rejecting the Screen. Um, and they're twice a week. One is more of a long-form interview podcast. The other is just kind of talking about the biggest topics that they want to cover. So it's really cool. So today I wanted to share with you uh, a best of the Locked, On, uh, the Locked On Podcast Network's Rejecting the Screen. Again, amazing interviews with NBA people, uncovering never-told stories or unknown tales of the NBA. And you can subscribe to Rejecting the Screen on iTunes or follow on Spotify. And here is a collection of best of Rejecting the Screen with Noah Cosby. And Adam Stanko. Hey, it's Noah Kozlov from Rejecting the Screen on the Locked On Podcast Network. Adam Stanko and I get together twice a week to talk hoops with folks who have touched the NBA on all sorts of levels, from all-stars, coaches, executives, and media members. Recently, the number three pick in the 2006 NBA draft, Adam Morrison, joined us to tell a story about how Kobe Bryant, his former Lakers teammate with whom he won two rings, went above and beyond to lift his spirits. It was a year after I was out, and so I wasn't playing, obviously, and I was really depressed, and I was basically a hermit in my own house, and I was, didn't go out in the community at all, and, and, you know, if you did, it was one of people asking you, why aren't you playing, and I was, you know, I'm 26 at the time, or whatever I was, and, you know, number three pick, and just really low point in my life, and I get a text from Robert Laura, the the Lakers security and was Kobe's like one of his best friends and he said hey what's your address uh I got something in the mail for you and I get the package and it's um an autographed jersey from Didier Drogba um who is my favorite player I'm a Chelsea fan you know it was from Kobe and game worn jersey you know signed Didier Drogba to Adam best wishes and I always thought Kobe you know, made a phone call, which is, would be fine. It's still cool as shit. It's unbelievable. The night he passed, I'm scrolling through, reading everything, and I'm emotional. And on Chelsea's, you know, Instagram page, it's him with Didier Drogba holding up a jersey, and it says, to Adam, best wishes. So he went up to my favorite player, got wow. it signed for me without me even asking, and sent it to me when he knew I was was low. That's that's what Kobe Bryant was, man. He was just one of those dudes who understood his own aura 
When four-time All-Star Sean Marion hung out with us, not only did he tell us that he tried to recruit Kobe Bryant to the Suns the summer that the Suns ended up signing Steve Nash and Quentin Richardson, he also told us that his 2006 Suns team should have won the title. In the 2011 preseason, his Mavericks teammate Jason Terry was so confident they'd win it all, he got a tattoo of the trophy. We was at Deshaun Stevenson's house. We had a game in Orlando, and um, we went to his house and you know, a few through the team, and uh, we was over having bar eating and stuff. And then this tattoo guy came over there, and Jet guy tattooed a tra- trophy on his on his bicep. I was like, damn, dude. I was like, for real? I was like, okay, okay. I'm loving it. I'm loving the, the, the confidence and the swag we have right now. So, like, just let alone, don't nobody else know, don't nobody else in the world know we do, we doing this and we feeling this right now. Because everybody, everybody in the league has aspirations. A lot of teams have aspirations to win championships, but it ain't but maybe a handful that actually, actually can do it. You know what I'm saying? So, we was one of those teams and, like, we sitting there going through this process and looking at this and, uh, yeah, we was like, yeah. Did he tell you, hey, I'm going to get a tattoo of the trophy? Did you know as it was happening, or once he got it, he showed you he's got a tattoo of the trophy? Well, it was called it was all kind of one sequence. We been, he's like, we won the championship this year. I'm about to get a trophy right now. <laughs> we were like, okay, that's what's up. <laughs> I mean, they don't get no better than that. Come on now, you don't get no better. Yeah, than it that. does it. Don't get no better than that. Kevin Willis never did win a ring, but he was an all-star and was one of the most dominant rebounders of his era. He spent year 16 of his career with the Toronto Raptors when Tracy McGrady was in year two and Vince Carter was a rookie. As expected, he had some pretty good advice for those kids. They used to call me OG, old head, things like that. And I was, I think I was in my 15th year or somewhere up in there. And it was like, yeah, man. I used to tell him and T Mac. I say, T Mac, first of all, you need to you need to stop falling asleep on the bench and practice. You need to, you got to stay awake. You, you you keep falling asleep. I just tell him and Vince, you guys rather hope that you get the fifteen years because you you little snot nosed rookies. But you know they they were they were great great rookies, great talent. Speaking of vets and rookies, when Suns legend Eddie Johnson got traded to Seattle. Gary Payton was a rookie point guard, and since everyone loves a good one about GP running his mouth, Eddie delivered. And I remember one day at practice, I was there for about two weeks, and I remember he kept disrupting practice. And Gary's a smart guy. He had, he had a right to talk in that regard because I got to know him. He really knows the game, obviously. He's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the greatest defenders ever now, but at the time, he was a rookie. And rookies were not supposed to talk under my watch. So that's that's what it was for me. And I just couldn't get over the fact that this rookie kept talking. You know, and I let it go for two weeks. And I asked Nate McMillan, I said, is it a point in time, man, when you all, like, going to say something to him? And Nate was like, man, you know. You know, Nate kind of shook it off. And I said, well, I'm going to say something. And lo and behold, one practice, he's got the yapping and, you know, coaches going over stuff and he yapping, he yapping. And I just finally said, would you shut the F up? About 15 years later in Seattle, P.J. Carlesimo was coaching the Sonics with rookie Kevin Durant. When P.J. came on the show, he revealed how ahead of the curve his staff was when KD was on the floor. 
one good thing we really did with him was we exposed him to a lot of things in terms of we played him at two, we played him at three, we played him at four, we put him in pick and rolls, we encouraged him to shoot threes. It's his only bad three-point percentage. If you look at his percentage year by year uh, in the NBA, it's far and away the lowest one. But again, uh, in those days, it was even a bigger jump from college three to NBA three. And Kevin didn't shoot a lot of threes uh, at Texas. And we, we had him do that. And at times we were criticized, like, why are they playing this guy at guard? Why, like, why are they putting him in pick and rolls? You know, why are they letting him dribble the ball up the court? Because he could. Staying with coaches, Brendan Haywood won a title with the Mavs in 2011. And when he joined LeBron in the Cavs under David Blatt, it was obvious when a head coaching change was needed. We could see late in ball games, if he had to draw up plays, we could see he was super nervous, his hands would be shaking. He'd have to give the clipboard to Larry Drew. Larry Drew would draw the plays up. And when you see that, you understand. Like, this dude ain't ready. He's not ready for this. He's not ready for this. And it's not his fault because he he thought he was taking on a rebuilding project. And then next thing you know, LeBron James calls up David Blatt and says, I'm coming. And now instead of taking on a rebuilding project with Kyrie and Deion Waiters at the forefront of it, and Tristan Thompson, you have LeBron James and Kevin Love there, and now you're competing for a title. Uh, I just don't I, – I think just Coach Black got hit with too much too soon, but it was easy to tell right away that Coach Black was probably in over his head. Just like a head coach can lose a team, a woman can tear one apart as well. Butch Beard was an assistant with the Mavericks in the mid-'90s as Grammy Award-winning R&B singer Tony Braxton came in between stars Jason Kidd and Jimmy Jackson. I mean, it was it, it ended up being Jason and Jimmy, all right? Jason, Tony. Tony's not caring about either one of them. And then the team was taking sides. So I'll never forget, we had, we, we, we had a damn team meeting. And I said, guys, it's a woman that's breaking us apart. And it's... If the woman is that good, please, I want to see what her mother looks like. Because I want to <laughs> date her mother. Come on. Entertainment and the NBA will always be intertwined. The first to do that on the media side was the New York Post's Peter Vesey, who was also the sideline reporter for the national broadcasts on NBC. We asked Peter about his post-game interview with Carl Malone after the Jazz lost in the finals to the Bulls in 1997. The YouTube clip is titled, Peter Vesey tries to get punched. Carl was always a great interview. He would never not answer a question. You know, we really didn't get along. I, I disliked him on many levels, respected him on many other levels as a player, but, you know, he was a dirty player. And the first time that they showed it to me, I didn't even remember it, okay? So I did this interview. I had no agenda. I was just going to ask him some tough questions, and um, I didn't care how tough because I really didn't like him. So, <laughs> but I knew he was going to answer them. <laughs> so, so I, I wasn't, I didn't feel unsafe, and I didn't feel like I was doing something wrong. And it really never, it never dawned on me that that came off the way it did. You know, my son would say to me, "I said, wow, like, what were you, what were you thinking?" I said, I was just doing my job, but I, I, uh, I had no mindset going in other than I knew he was going to answer my question. In 1997, former head coach Hubie Brown was broadcasting for TNT, but five years later was hired by Jerry West mid-season to coach the Memphis Grizzlies. Point guard Earl Watson was in his second year with the team, 
and was thoroughly confused when it all went down. Jerry West introduced UV. I'm 22 years old. We're in Memphis, losing franchise. First time in my life I've ever been a part of anything that was losing. So it's all new to me. Just everything was like new to me. I never, I, it made me, it almost made me sick. He introduces Hubie Brown and I'm thinking, I got to call Bob because we just hired the TNT guy. This is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know his full resume, right? <laughs> so the first thing he says to us, he takes the podium and he says, first I would like to say, you all are fucking losers. <laughs> None of you are winners. If you was a winner, the other guy wouldn't be packing his stuff with his family. See, you got on fire. You're fucking losers. I'm going to teach you how to be a winner. I'm going to teach you how to be a winner. The Bob that Earl referred to was Bob Myers, his agent at the time and now the president of the Golden State Warriors. Stories like these are a taste of what rejecting the screen sounds like every week. So we hope you'll join us by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, or download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. So there you all have it. Just wanted to give you a piece of that, a teaser. If that's something you want to start listening to, again, rejecting the screen, you can subscribe on iTunes, follow it on Spotify. They are a great show, and I listen to that every single week. So thank you all for listening. More to come this week. We will cover the top five moments of the Pelican season. Um, hopefully with a special guest that I should be able to announce very soon for you all. And as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all on Wednesday. 